That does not look amused. Three pieces. I want three pieces. Um, I mean, it's good that she's doing this now and in the middle of it, you know. Might have to try and relocate and see if I can hope they stick to staying downstairs while I try and ditch them in the playroom upstairs. I love TV. Quinny's like, has got like a half hour timer for watching TV lately, which is just not a real good. bummer for naps. I need it. I need it. <laughs> Hi, Quinn. Did you draw a triangle? No, she got triangle magnets. I need to. No, you're not. You're like <laughs> No, my sister. That's true. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, thank you and welcome to Couch Co-op, episode 15. Today, we're going to be talking about open world and sandbox games. But uh, before we dive into that uh, mess of a world, um, Matt, why don't you start off and tell me what you're playing these days? <laughs> I'm still slogging through cyberpunk. I swear I'll be through it very soon, so I don't have to bring it up each time we do this segment. I'm nearly there. I've, I've completed practically every little submission. The game, game, game gave me one last fuck you, which is that... There's a particular mission that I'm unable to complete, so I won't be able to get my 100% completion, which really pisses me off because I've completed just about everything else in the game. Minus the main campaign. Have that over you. <laughs> which one is that? There's a particular mission uh, where you have to break in and steal a van, and it won't actually allow me to take the van. And I've looked online, and this is a, a major bug since day one that still hasn't been addressed or was addressed, but because I was playing since day one, um, I'm unable to actually account for. So I'm very close to being done with that. I have about four games queued up for when I'm done. Uh, one of which is Streets of Rage 4. Another one is Ace Combat 7. And I'll probably be bugging both of you gentlemen to see which direction I should go with my next selection. Oh, the wonderful 101 is also the one I've been tabling. So I will yeah. definitely be bugging you both to see which one I should pick up on. Finally done with Cyberpunk here. But if yeah. you pick up Wonderful 101, I might I might join you on that journey. Although I, I got to get through uh, the new Subnautica first. You know what? I'll um, I'll triple down on that, and I think that would be an interesting future topic. Talk about that game. Perfect. Sold. And thank you for bringing up Subnautica, Jack, because I'm really pissed off I missed that one when it was free, too, recently. Oh, uh, you did? Oh, that's brutal, man. One of my favorites. Uh, oh, well. Dave, what have you been playing? Dude, I've been on a short hiatus, so I got my second shot last Tuesday, which took me out for a few days, and then I got my job back. So I'm no longer on that list of claiming unemployment and being a video game bum. So as I've been readjusting the life with eight hours dedicated at a uh, restaurant, I've pretty much just been coming home and relaxing for about an hour until I'm ready to pass out. But uh, before it all started, I did hang out with Jack and he has a shiny new PS5. So he showed me Subnautica on it and I got to play a real a little bit around with the new DLC, which looks pretty amazing. 
Um, I got to admit that I was pretty shocked about how much fun I was having with the limited amount of time I was in it. And once I do get a PS5, I think I'm going to commit to playing both of those games because, um, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. And then I played Astrobot, which was a blast, especially with how the game interacts with the controller and how that controller really adds a depth to video gaming. Because as you're walking through different textures on the map, such as grass or water, the controller will react accordingly. And that really is something I've never had before. I mean, sure, you getting vibrations and whatnot when you hit something is one thing, but when you're walking through grass and kind of feeling each blade on your fingertips or feeling like as you walk through water, it kind of feels a little bit sluggish. You feel that resistance against you it was pretty amazing. Um, and also all the Easter eggs in that game are really cool. You'll have little side events going on where the different bots are interact are pretty much role playing the game and you'll know what you're seeing because one of them will be holding a camera. So we came across Bloodborne, we came across Uncharted, um, we came across a few different games. So I thought that was pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, sequel to Astro Bot, Astro's Playroom is, is what you're talking about. Although oh, okay. uh, I had a chance to play the VR game Astro's Bot, Astro Bot um, a while back when you when you brought your VR set over that. Looks like a really cool game that one of these days I would like to explore. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun having you over for like the first like couch co-op gaming experience the other night, Dave. It's been a really long time since we uh, since we really jumped into the thick of things and uh, kicked back a bunch of tequilas. Um, you know, had had the kids hanging over my uh, over my shoulders and. Um, and yeah, that, that was that was a blast getting back to our couch co-op route. Definitely was. Yeah, I appreciated you having me over and you definitely getting to show me your shiny new toy, <laughs> which I will probably be gunning for here shortly. Well, I've been playing Days Gone, uh, which I've mentioned in the last couple podcasts is something I've been slowly getting more and more into. And I've really dived into it the last uh, couple weeks. Uh, I got to say, even with all the praise Matt gave it, it was his uh, 2020 game of the year. I really um, was not expecting what I've experienced. Uh, my Everything I was kind of waiting for in the game, everything I expected to experience has been completely different. Um, the most important thing is that the characterization of some of the um, companions you run into on the road has just been fantastic um some of the some of the charisma the nuance um and and really something i don't experience in video games romantic chemistry and they actually pull it off in this game i don't i can't think and i spent some time thinking about this i can't think of another game that has pulled off romantic chemistry for me. So to experience it in this game, which I really just was came in expecting some really solid gameplay and a bunk story with this biker dude who uh, infamously in the first scene is hands, hands his wife his ring and says, 
you better not lose that because I'll be back for it. <laughs> I was just like, I was really expecting this game story to really suck. And it's just gotten better and better. Um, and that's been really cool. Um, the, the combat, the gameplay is really good. Um, on the negative side, um, I do have uh, a number of things that I think just just don't really appeal to me. And it's it's such a fetch-oriented game. Like even within mission to mission, you'll you'll watch this really cool cutscene and you'll be into it. And then the cutscene ends and they're like, run over here to the yellow dot 40 yards away. And you're like, okay. So you run over 40 yards and a new cutscene starts. It's like, what like what was the point of that? And that is is basically the game is go there, headshot these enemies, go back and collect your bounty or uh reward, which is a, a, a storyline tidbit. Um so that it's a long game that that has definitely worn on me um pretty frustrated by what i feel like they could have just streamlined about maybe a third of of all this fetch stuff and um just kind of focused on the actual game i think it would have been a a much highly more highly regarded game um one thing that's really benefited from me is uh, for the first time, I'm really feeling the PlayStation 5 power. Uh, the loading screens, the um, particular when you die or if um, or if you fast travel, which there's a lot of in this game, uh, it really speeds up the process and makes the game more enjoyable. Um, so that's been good. Um, and yeah, uh, basically, I just got to give kudos to Matt for another great game recommendation because uh, I've really been enjoying my experience with this game. Um, flawed as it is, it, uh, is definitely one of my favorites of, of 2021 so far. And I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how the last third of the game or so, uh, plays out and if it can really kind of maintain this momentum or if, uh, I end up just bitter and frustrated by some questionable story choices, which there's been a few of. Uh, well, I'm glad you're enjoying it first and foremost. That's always important. And I'm glad that you're playing Days Gone because that leads us perfectly into the topic we were willing to we were going to discuss this week, which was focusing on open world games uh, and or sandbox games, however you may view that. Um, I know this is a point of contention amongst us, so we'll definitely dive into that. But speaking to a game like Days Gone, like one thing that jumped out to me, you had mentioned like those the fast travel element to it. And so while it presents itself as a true open world game where you can navigate almost anywhere on your motorcycle and or on foot, um, it certainly is a game that at least the way I played it was majority of the time fast traveling to near as close to the location as I can possibly get and then completing said task. Um, I think one of the reasons I really appreciate it was because they force you to complete certain missions in order to access the full range of the fast travel which still kind of gives it that sense of a true open world. But I, I don't know. Personally, I hesitate to call this a true open world experience because I definitely relied more on fast travel than actually exploring what was out there, which I think is so key to the success of that genre. Yeah, and there's not a lot of zaniness outside of the main storyline. Most everything is streamlined directly into that storyline. And that does speak to what you were just talking about. The fast travel is just a huge component of the game outside of the horde mechanic, which is really freaking cool. And you can do a lot of fun stuff with 
um, basically hundreds of zombies just chasing your ass down out of nowhere. And at least on the PlayStation 5 is flawless performance. It's, it's just an amazing, uh, thrilling experience. So um, I think we, you just kind of answered the question, but, but something that um, over the course of this week, what we've kind of been texting about leading up to this, to this podcast about open world and sandboxes, what does a sandbox mean? Um, is Days Gone a sandbox game because it's open world and you kind of go do whatever you want in this open world? Or, um, or is, is, is the gameplay just too narrow um, and not enough um, exploration? And um, well, let me just pose a question to you, gentlemen. What, what, is, a, uh, what is a sandbox to you? Um, <clears throat> my, so I remember the text was we're, Matt being what's the subject of the, the next podcast. And I just dropped open world games and then Jack clarified it with open world games emphasizing sandbox mechanics. So that really threw a loop for my selection, which I was going to talk about Skyrim. I was going to talk about Red Dead Redemption 2 because all three of us had played Red Dead Redemption 2. But once that sandbox mechanic came in, that really kind of changed my mind on it. So I'm going with Fallout 4 and I'm going with Minecraft. And when you say sandbox, I don't think narrative. And I definitely think a game that allows you to have control over your environment. So Minecraft has no narrative. You start off and you have to start chopping down trees or I should say punching trees before you can collect wood. And then you need to build tools from that. And then with those tools, you can harvest minerals. And then once you get those minerals, you can upgrade to better equipment. And then the more rare you get, the better the equipment gets, but you can pretty much demolish an entire mountain and then rebuild a castle from all those resources. And there's no narrative. So I see that as pure sandbox. And then with Fallout 4, that's an open world game. There's a lot of space for you to explore. There's really no boundaries other than the far edges of the map. But within it, in the settlements, it becomes a sandbox. And the settlements have a set barrier and you know that because once you're in a settlement and you hit the touchpad, it opens up the sandbox mechanic and it draws a, well, you get to visualize a green boundary and everything within that you can take, deconstruct, and it goes to your workbench and it becomes iron or it becomes glass or something from that. And from that workbench, you can build walls and floors and set up buildings and it gets even deeper. I don't want to get into that point yet, but that's my difference. Now, outside that settlement, you can collect, but you can't build anything just anywhere you want. Whereas in Minecraft, you can. And then in Fallout 4, there's a narrative. There's a main story equipped with side quests and NPCs that you run into. So that's how I see the difference between open world and sandbox, but you can have sandbox mechanics in an open world. I think that's really where the line blurs because 
in Red Dead Redemption 2, I'll take that. You can upgrade your camp. And the more you upgrade your camp, it affects how your character interacts with the camp. But you're not tearing down mountains or you're not changing the way the railroads are. So I don't really consider that any sort of sandbox mechanics. How so, about you, Matt? Oh, so sorry. Basically like a huge control of your surroundings and you're creating your own narrative rather than uh, what the game presents to you in a, in a story mode. Is, is that accurate, Dave? That's pretty accurate, yeah. I mean, because in Minecraft, there's no narrative, but I mean, you're, you're almost up to make up your own narrative, you know, uh, especially if you get multiple friends in the game. You know, for a while with me, you and Malcolm was exploring and then setting up this huge intricate base where each of us kind of had our own house you know i made a huge fortress out of growing trees upon growing trees and then hollowing that out and then creating glass walls and creating multiple floors and creating hiding spots and that whatnot and so that was kind of our narrative even though there wasn't a set one so that's how i approached it see i respectfully disagree because i feel like a sandbox element can be also implemented into the gameplay like personally i would consider like gta 5 one of the greatest sandbox games of all time just because so much of the fun of playing that game or just those moments where you just say to hell with it i'm going to see if i can get to the top of this building or i'm going to see if i can steal this you know submarine or if i can you know land on this like there's so much at play where you can manipulate the world around you to just make a game in of itself you don't have to just go from waypoint to waypoint and yeah I, you're right there's no building element to it but outside of that you certainly have full you can treat the whole environment as your sandbox you can kill basically any character on the screen at any given time you can steal almost any car you can blow up almost anything so to me sandbox is also kind of just like how much can you kind of make your own entertainment with the environment that you're occupying as you play um that one to me was always like one of the biggest ones like i would also argue too that you know there it gets a little di dicey with like the open worldness that kind of what we were talking about with the days gone where i feel like there's this new kind of I don't want to call it a subgenre, but some of these open world games that I'm going to be the first one to admit, I tend to get drawn to more often are the ones that kind of trick you into the sense of that you have this wide open environment where you can go anywhere at any given time, but it's kind of encouraging you to use the fast track because really you're supposed to be centralized on certain locales within it. Um, I particularly, I think of horizon zero dawn, is another great example of this like you can see things far off distance you can certainly track there if you want to on your own but it's so much quicker to just hop in teleport and then take care of whatever task you want to do and teleport out of there and i think that the the people who really get a lot of enjoyment are the folks who don't mind that now you contrast that with a game like say marvel spider-man and where that one so much of the gameplay is the travel itself in fact, I would say actually the strongest element of that is just how fun it is to get from point A to point B. And even though it gives you the option to fast travel, like I definitely, at least personally, when I played it, found myself almost always neglecting to just because I really, it was part of the thrill was seeing like the creative ways you can go about getting from one side of the map to the other. 
So there's a lot of factors at play. So I, I'm really curious to see what your thoughts are on this, Jack. Well, I think it's a really fun question. And it's funny that I never really thought about it until we got into this text debate where we're like, what are we talking about this week? Because we all knew we were talking about sandbox and open world, but it meant a different thing to all of us. Um, I definitely think I, I, historically, I've always thought of sandbox as much more in the vein uh, of Matt's view. And that's that you're in a big playground and there's this open world and yeah, there's lots of rules, restrictions. You don't have control of the environment, but it's built to play. And when I think of sandbox, I think of a big playground. So uh, you brought up GTA, Matt. I mean, I think back to my days playing GTA San Andreas where you can, I mean, there's so many things you can do. You could steal a tank and go for a joyride and blow up Las Vegas, um, ride around in a jetpack, bicycle down Mount Chiliad. You could steal a plane and jump a parachute and try and land on buildings. And just because the game is built around this narrative and there's no real, um, there's nothing you can construct in that game. There's no Fallout 4 base mechanism. Um, you are in this giant playground and um, it's been built to have fun and you're not, not necessarily have to fall into this narrative. You go out and it's an open world of joy. Um, that being said, I was really kind of excited when Plumber kind of gave us some pushback because it really kind of made me think of like, what are sandbox uh, mechanics? And I got to agree with Plumber. Like when I think of the two games that, scream sandbox to me it's one it's minecraft you have complete control of the world you create your own narrative um but to uh, a game like uh sim sim city 2000 where um you're basically just offered this big geographical location and you build whatever city you want and then you can have aliens or earthquakes come and kick the shit out of it um so i even i was so interested i started looking it up online and i went to like wikipedia um, and, and what I found online is just as this conversation, uh, the same things online, everybody has a different opinion. There's no, there's no definitive, um, rule to what a sandbox is. Although, uh, some people online will tell you differently. <laughs> um, yeah, well, now that we've kind of just broken down this debate, what are your favorite sandbox games, gentlemen? Um, I would say Minecraft by far, um, you know, having read about it first before ever playing it, I never dismissed it as a kiddie game, despite how the graphics present themselves. I mean, it's all made up of cubes and the cubes have different graphics to it, which are tied to what material that they represent. And once I started reading about it, and hearing about redstone, which you can make redstone dust with, and being able to build switches, there became this whole subculture within the game to do some crazy stuff. And one of the first articles I read about that specific situation was someone created a microchip within Minecraft, and it got bigger after that. One person created a phone within the game, creative mode, and then was able to build a screen and link that to the internet. So within Minecraft, 
he builds a computer, links it to the net, and then you could Google search anything from that computer, which is sitting in a video game, which is likely on a computer. So that really blew my mind. Um, and eventually got into it because Malcolm started playing it and he had just recently torn his Achilles. So he had a lot of video game time and he's a really active person. So this was a complete 180 for him in his life. And me being a gamer, I was more than happy to um, video game with one of my good friends. So we just started horsing around in the game and then Jack eventually joined us and we just started exploring, you know, and that world is for the most part procedurally generated. So we just would get on boats and have adventures. And then we started really building these massive structures within the game. And Malcolm and I had set up a base and I recall us setting it up and working together. And I built this like massive, land bridge that connected another base that we had set far apart and I started growing trees along the edges of it so it became this protected pathway and set up this big building outside of that with a big glass dome that had our initials in it so I just really started becoming amazed at what you could do with the game so Jack Malcolm and I eventually started a new world and within exploring we came across this mountain and this mountain had an outcrop of land and it was surrounded by water and we decided to plant our feet there and this is where we made like some pretty impressive structures and we all worked together on each other's stuff so Malcolm would be working on something and he's looking for a specific mineral so we would go somewhere and set that up and I would be needing tree seeds. So he would collect those as he did his thing and then put those in a communal chest. And then Jack, once he got an idea about what he wanted to build, we started going after those resources, but then it became much more. And we started setting up a underground mine structure and um, we just started mining this whole thing out underneath hours it. Dark. <laughs> hours, yeah, just hours of just, and also getting the BS. You know, this is not a game for the most part that requires split second hand-eye coordination or else you're gonna die. Sometimes it does, but for the most part, it can be pretty monotonous. And so we got a lot of time to just BS and kind of chat, which in some games you're, you can do but you're sacrificing gameplay. And this was a game where you could do that. So I really fell in love with Minecraft. And I feel that that was mostly due to the sandbox mechanics of it. And I was super enticed by those articles and what you could do. So what ends up happening is Ian, Malcolm's brother, gets involved and he really wants to explore other parts of the world. So he creates this huge underground railroad system and he's using up red dust like a maniac. And he starts um, doing some pretty crazy stuff with it, like doors that you can only open with the switch. 
and setting up a railroad system that goes to the netherworld or goes to a teleporter. And he figures out the exact ratio of how far you can go to a certain spot using the teleporters and where it takes you. So it just really became something that all four of us could really get into and really shoot the shit with, you know, and that's, um, I guess Fallout 76 would be the closest thing, but, and I haven't played that game, but from what I understand, they have that same settlement feature in it. But in Fallout 76, if you're out in the open world, like you're probably mostly just fighting off enemies and it's not, oh, did you read about this or did you see that or see this? So I definitely place Minecraft up on that pedestal of sandbox worlds. And I haven't played a lot of them. In all fairness, that's probably the only one I played. But I mean, it was a whole fact that you could build a microchip and then eventually a cell phone, you know, and do Google searches within a game. So that's why I threw that up there. Yeah. How about you? Well, I just got a second that Minecraft is, is, I would consider the sandbox game. That's because we had that experience together where we really just played to create things that we thought were beautiful. You know, we wanted to create art. Um, we wanted to really, we kind of sacrificed functionality um, on what we built just to kind of impress each other, to see what we could come up with, um, to flex those creative muscles. But then um, a couple years later, we dive back in, me, you, my wife, and we played a completely different way. Yeah, we were building like cool creative world, but I had this whole plan that I wanted to go into the next world and beat this dragon that was set up in the world. So we played this, the exact same game, but for a completely different function. Um, and then um, beyond that, now my daughter, she's going in and play, we, we've only played in survival mode because that's kind of the, the gameplay loop that we enjoy she's gone into creative mode and she just goes and creates these fantastical worlds. So um, there's so many different ways you can play. And that's, that, uh, that's the true mark of a, of a sandbox game. Yeah. You know, there's some people who can just take a bag of Legos and create a whole world <laughs> to themselves. And then there's the same other jackasses who need to have the pirate themed ones or the astronaut themed ones <laughs> in order to actually have some fun with it because they don't want to take the time to use their creative abilities after they get off of a long day of work. I have to tell you guys that the sandbox genre is my absolute least favorite if we're defining it based off constructing things like and building your own narrative. And that's largely because of the types of games I play. If I think it would be completely different if I played it online. That's a major caveat because I never do. Uh, honestly, my only real experience that I could harken back to where I truly enjoyed, and it's a sandbox experience, and it's the first time I ever heard the phrase utilized, was in Theme Park on the old uh, DOS computer um, just because they had a sandbox mode. And that was the first time like that thought even crossed my mind of like, oh, this means I can just kind of do whatever I want. Um, I really enjoyed it with that one because I feel like with games like SimCity that you mentioned, Jack, they have a tendency to get too overly complicated and giving you too many options to the point where it becomes overload. And quite frankly, I don't utilize them. 
I know I mentioned on a previous podcast, uh, Tropico five, which gives you all sorts of crazy, like funky options that quite frankly, I never really learned how to utilize. Cause I just found that it was easier to save my resources and focus on just doing it right down the middle. Um, but doing it through the theme park one, like I said, it's just so straightforward. It's like, Oh, you need bathrooms because you have X amount of people. Oh, you have more money, build another, uh, you know, attraction. Oh, you have money, build another thing for people, you know, to eat ice cream or whatever. Oh, you can jack up the sugar and make them run around your park faster. But like that to me, was like the one experience I remember getting like really into just kind of like seeing like, Oh, what happens if I do this? What happens if I do that? But quite typically I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't usually play games like that. I usually play games that it's kind of like, go from point A to point B and kill whatever's in between. So. <laughs> cool. um, something I read online that really kind of st- stuck with me was, um, I can't remember where this was, but it, it basically described sandbox games as the ability to accomplish a goal in any way you choose, as opposed to a set, a set, um, a set way. Uh, I mean, going back to Days Gone, where basically it tells you where to go. It tells you, you have to go there, you have to kill everybody. And that's, that's definitely not what I think of. Um, but I think of like the survival games I play um, in particular, the way I approached um, the story of the forest where um, initially I jumped in solo and I played really conservative because these monsters could kill me. And so I had to be incredibly careful about how I approached them, what risks I took. Um, And that was a really fun experience because there was a lot of tension. There was a lot of like, oh no, I, 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 you know, I I tried, I got a little too greedy in it and it came back and, and and backfired on me. Um, <laughs> Testicle demons strike again. I was gonna say, I'm gonna be doing a lot of editing this time around, <laughs> dude. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, it's all good. all good. This is a wreck tonight. It's totally ruined the flow of this thing. Um, all right, where was I? Um, forest, uh, playing conservative solo, and then but then I jump in with Dave. And I know the geography well enough that I was able to like come up with a, with a pretty cool area where we could kind of uh, set up a shop. It was basically this beach that had this boat that we could basically run off to like pussies and, and, and go, uh, go sleep on the boat while, uh, while the monsters took over the beach at night. And not only armed with that knowledge of how the game worked and how the mechanic works, but also with Dave to have my back and to like really uh, join forces with me to fight fight against uh these monsters we basically turn this beach into this death trap and so whereas i was playing individually hiding from bush to bush finding little nooks and crevices to sleep like a schmuck at night with dave we became kings and we i mean we've mentioned this in previous podcasts but literally we're taking the the roughest toughest enemies in the game and and using them as armor because they're 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 uh their carcasses were made us that much stronger and we just built this complete um playground on the beach 
we beefed up our characters to the point where we could go down into these awesome tunnels where um, what would have been absolutely terrifying um, and, and deadly for me individually going down. And, and it was cause I did, but, but was just like, we just rolled down there and we're just killing everything and throwing Molotov cocktails and burning zombies and, and laughing as we're like going through this pitch black darkness and we ended up beating the game um, in a completely different way than I was trying solo. And I just think it's really cool that, that the sandbox element of that game presented those two different options where um, in, in one option, I was, uh, I was a hermit just desperately trying to survive. And in the other, we were gods running around these uh, Neanderthals. Um, and it, it was, it was a really cool experience. I was going to say too, though, like, that to me, like when I think of like sandbox titles, like uh, for instance, like a Metal Gear Solid Five, um, or even to a lesser degree, uh, Death Stranding. Like what these are two. Hitman. Uh, well, Hitman was the one I was going to get to, but um, those just two cause. games. Um, yeah, just cause. Just cause is a little. I mean, I feel like all you do in Just Cause is blow the shit out of stuff, so it's a little, <laughs> little different. But like with Metal Gear, for instance, like even though you're doing kind of the same mission over and over since it's an incomplete game, um, it's encouraging you like to really get the most out of it. You're supposed to kind of approach the same mission from a different angle each time, just to see like how it differentiates. Like if you're going in total stealth mode versus if you go in, you want to kill everybody in the camp versus if you want to use one of your vehicles, if you want to use, you know, your partner, like it really encourages you to try the same thing over and over. Death Stranding, really, if you're going to get the most enjoyment out of it, it's not doing what I did, which is get the biggest damn truck you can find, loading it up with as much equipment as you can get, and then climbing up the mountains sideways, backtracking like a la Skyrim to climb over mountains. You're supposed to spend all this time setting up little like winches and climbing up ropes and using all these cool little gameplay elements. Like that's to really appreciate that game is, is to utilize all of the elements that they give you to kind of create the world you're in. Uh, Hitman was the example that I was going to get to where so much of the gameplay element is encouraging you to try different paths to execute the target. And it, it really is encouraging you to try it out one way. You know, you can beat the minute or the mission, get your trophy, but then go back, do it again, try it out, you know, see if you can figure out the different puzzle involved with that, because there is, there's countless different ways to complete the same task even though ultimately all you're trying to do is kill a person and, you know, try to not get caught. So um, even though these aren't directly, like you're not actually constructing a world, you definitely do have a wide range of, of ability to complete the task at hand. Yeah. I would consider Hitman a sandbox in a different fashion than Minecraft because of exactly what you just said was um, if I, I played a mission and I killed the the one mission objective through poisoning. I just straight walked up to him when he was on a catwalk surrounded by people and shot him in the face. I got up to the rigging that he was below and dropped uh, the rigging down on top of him. I pushed him over a ledge. I um, waited for him to use the bathroom before I, you know, choked him out with the piano wire or uh, guillotine or whatever it is. But yeah, 
like I could argue that that's a sandbox in the manner of executing the objective many different ways with the different tools that are available to you. I mean, I believe in that game, you can just even set up a bomb on something and when he's walking by it, you can blow him up. So you won't, you won't get argument out of me on that one. Uh, I definitely would consider that a sandbox. So then based on that, would you consider Skyrim to be a sandbox? Because I feel like Skyrim gives you, I mean, so much of the appeal, at least from what I understood with it, was your kind of ability to try to, you know, gain something through a conversation. And if you don't get what you want, you can just hit the kill the character and pretty much you can kill almost anybody in that environment and thus, you know, kind of affect the world however you, which way you f- see fit. Way to flip my argument or my, <laughs> my agreement on me. Um, no, I, I really do consider that almost strictly open world because, I mean, you can attack them with magic. You can attack them with a sword. I mean, you can attack them with a mace. But really, if you don't get past that hurdle objective, then the story doesn't continue. Or at least that specific narrative tree will shut down. So, I mean, one of the key narratives in Skyrim is the civil war going on between um, the local natives and then the um, empire. And you got to choose a side practically at the beginning. Um, I played with the rebels and I worked on trying to topple the empire, but it doesn't really change how the game ends at the end is what it does is just changes different characters you talk to and how you interact with the other side. But there's no collecting of anything really. I mean, you choose your weapons, but you don't, you don't have the objective of saying executing Alduin. You're gonna just have to fight Alduin at the end. And if you don't beat him, then you're not gonna beat that main threat of Skyrim. So I would say that it's an open world game because you got a main narrative thread, you got a bunch of side quests and you can kind of do them in a jumbled order. But, you know, if you want to hundred percent the game, you're going to still have to do all of those different things. And with Hitman, it's just, you got that one objective is to kill this guy and you can do it in an imaginative way. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Yeah. I think it, it kind of makes sense. Uh, it's just there's so much gray area. Um, you kind of describing that made me think of the game Breath of the Wild, in which, yes, there's this narrative and it's um, there's tasks you have to complete, but there's just so much you can do in that world. One of the one of the really cool uh, functions of that game is that you can you can literally go over any geography in the world as long as you have the stamina to do it, but you can climb anywhere, you can go over any mountain. There's so many like fake walls that they put up in video games. They keep you going, going into houses. They keep you from a day's gone. They literally throw up like a two foot rock that you can't jump over. It's like, what the hell? Like I need to get away from the zombie horde. I got a hundred zombies chasing my ass to a rock. And all I need to do is leap over it. And they're like, rrr, 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 ah! um, so, so, I compare that to a game like Breath of the Wild in which you could go anywhere 
it is that playground function that I was talking about earlier. And um, to speak to the sandbox box nature of Breath of the Wild, there's speed runs of the game where people beat it in under half an hour because they just skip everything. They go straight to the boss and they're so good at the game that they can kill it with just base gear. And they just have that move set down that they need and, and, they, and they take care of business. Um, but in the world, there's hundreds of collectibles. There's different, different experiences and, and um, hunting and a million different like little nuanced missions and every area feels fresh. Um, so while it definitely does not fit into like that, that, um, that description that Dave gives for sandbox games, I feel like it is because it's just this huge playground of fun. And you can really approach it any way you want. You can go to whatever biome you want and tackle the missions in any order. Um, yes, there are goals that you're, you're trying to build to and you're like beefing up your character in very specific ways. But, but the way you go about it, um, it just offers so much creative freedom. Uh, and that's definitely like a uh, RPG open world that I, I think um, definitely flexes into that sandbox, uh, sandbox playground that I think of. Yeah, I, I mean, then there's also those ones where it's like to that same vein, like what would you consider the soul series? Because in theory, technically with those, like there really isn't much of a plot to speak of unless you really, really want to nerd out about it online and do the research. But for the most part, the major elements of playing those games is you're just kind of exploring and, you know, building up your character, how you see fit there really is no like storyline driving you and you for the most part can kind of figure out your way to get from to whichever point of the game you want to, if you know what you're doing right out the gate. Personally though, I, I have tough time really considering those to be open world games, but in that same sense, like I, I would argue that like, you know, there really isn't a plot element. A lot of it really is kind of like whatever you're constructing on your own um, and however you're choosing to play it. So that's where we get into that this interesting aspect yeah. of the debate. There's no narrative plot, but there's definitely a it, the world is so constructed to force you to go certain directions that I just can't I can't get over that. It's it's definitely not a sandbox game where you have to go this direction and yeah, you can unlock a door which may, gives you a shortcut to later to something but but there's just not enough options and choice in those games to um for me to for me to make that consideration so i brought up fallout 4 um who here has played it i know jack's played just a tiny amount but <laughs> matt do you I have any experience consider, i love that you consider 30 hours of a video game a tiny <laughs> <laughs> but i mean so that has a narrative start and a narrative end basically um your kid gets taken from you and you want to go find him. But there's all this crazy stuff in between that you can do. And a lot of the side missions and side quests within Bethesda games are notoriously almost stronger than the main missions are. I mean, I don't know if we can all agree on that, but I haven't played Skyrim and Fallout 4. I could attest that I've had more fun playing the side missions. Now, I brought up earlier that the whole settlement mechanic 
Now, you see, this is where it clarifies it for me, at least, is that I consider Fallout 4 an open world game because I can go to the hardest parts of the map. And just like in Breath of the Wild, it'll be much more difficult <clears throat> and probably nearly impossible on some parts, unless you do some, <clears throat> excuse me, unless you do some leveling. But within the game, the settlement mechanic is by far pure sandbox because you can take everything that's within that green bubble, dismantle it and rebuild it. But you can also have, there's also mechanics of electricity generators. Um, you create wells like water stations. And <clears throat> with that in mind, you can set up a, um, pretty much a settlement recruitment device. And once that is connected to a generator and you flip the switch, it starts recruiting NPCs that aren't necessarily NPCs that you can make companions because throughout the storyline, you meet up with them and I'll touch base on that. But in order for that settlement to thrive, you have to grow food, you have to provide water, you have to provide shelter with a bed. And then you're going to have to provide defense because the more higher your population gets, the more food that you're harvesting and water that you're collecting, more and more creatures from outside of that world will try to come in and take that and kill your settlement. So you also got to set up defense perimeters and you assign those NPCs within your settlement to those. So most of my collection came across a NPC that you can make your companion a super mutant named Strong, who is arguably the most human character in that game, despite him being this grotesquely large beast who's green and has the vocabulary limit of probably a sixth grader, if that, but he could carry the most stuff with him. So when I was playing through the narrative, I would just unload all my weight onto him because he could carry so much. And he was also just a great meat shield who can hit things with like huge hammers and all that kind of stuff. But I would go back to the settlement and then I would take whatever I had and I would pump it into the workbench. And then I would transfer what he had and pump it into the workbench and then work on my settlement. And sometimes that settlement building would be like an hour long, but you know, by the time I got near the end of the game um, and had purchased the DLCs that added more sandbox mechanics into that settlement. I was able to set up um, pretty much capture boxes where you could set a trap and it would lure a certain type of enemy into it. And then you could tame that enemy and then make that enemy a guardsman. So um, take a Deathclaw, for example, and within the Fallout world, that's probably one of the most terrifying things you could come across in the game. And I was able to capture two or three of them and they became guardsmen in my settlement. So I remember specifically I'm playing in the game and all of a sudden at one of the bottlenecks, I started hearing all my sentry guns going off and I was wondering what I was attacking it. And it was this like huge group of raiders coming in out of nowhere. And they had broken through my sentry guns, but then all of a sudden my two death claws had picked up on what was going on. And they just straight 
ran up and thrashed this entire group of raiders. And, you know, that's not something that would have happened in a narrative because as soon as you step out of that settlement, that sandbox mechanics gone, you're back into an open world situation where those death claws are now your enemies. So, and there's another DLC where you could build your own robots. So, and make that your traveling companion. So once that came in, I started developing, you know, certain robots just to have fun and test it out. But, you know, what a sentry bot normally would be in the game as an enemy, I had one tagging along with me. So I think that really changed things and really kind of clearly defines that line for me personally. Um, take a game like Skyrim and you can't do that. There's no way for you to have, you have your own homestead and you can decorate it, but there's no way that it interacts with the game really outside of you just storing your cool stuff or storing all your inventory or anything like that. It's almost decorational. So, and you might argue that that's a sandbox mechanic, but is it really? you know, compared to the settlement mechanic I just got describing in Fallout 4. So that's that's also why I chose Fallout 4 is because it almost clearly defines that subgenre. And I would say having an open world, you can have sandbox mechanics, or you can even have a sandbox game with some mild open world narrative structure to it, like Terraria, right? Isn't there? A, a narrative to that one, Jack? I know you played a, a little bit of that. Um, I don't know much about Ter Terraria, but um, I don't think it's so much a, a narrative as it is um, like a goal to go uh, be like an end, end boss. Um, similar to Minecraft, if that's the way you want to play it. But um, but from what I've heard, yeah, it's, it's a little bit more streamlined towards the combat as opposed to Minecraft, which is, is more streamlined towards... Uh, um, building a world around you. And, you know, it's just some of the settlement stuff I touched upon, other people have done insanely different things with it to the point where they've created these like mega town markets where you have um, traders that would be in the open world, narrative world. And those traders, the more people you have and the more developed your settlement is, the more likely they're, they're going to come around. So, you know, while you're in your settlement, depending on how large it is and how developed it is, you'll get certain qualities of merchants coming through there, which offer, you know, better and better stuff for you to purchase. And one guy set up this whole market town where it's just this giant, he took that settlement I was talking about, scrapped everything and made this like ginormous marketplace. And it had all this intricate, room set up and had intricate merchant stalls that he assigned his NPCs to, which made it something where you can go purchase stuff from them as well. I mean, you can even take some of these merchants and recruit them into that settlement and then assign them to a booth that you created and then they'll be there permanently. So you're not hoping that this guy is coming around or hoping that you'll find them in the open world while you're playing the narrative, he'll be right there. So you can go and pick up rare materials from him to build more complicated stuff for you and yourself. But you can also strip guns of certain parts and add different mechanics onto different guns in Fallout 4 within that settlement structure that I was talking to you about. So 
yeah, I mean, I think Fallout 4, though, is really imperfect game as far as the open world narrative goes. Like I said, the side quests are often more entertaining and more fun to play than the mainstream narrative. Um, having that sandbox feature in it was pretty huge and it allowed you to really run away with your imagination. So, I definitely have found, like, I mean, throughout the course of this discussion we've had, like, it, it's very apparent that it's been rather recent that this new definition of sandbox games have kind of come to play like you know the biggest examples we've we've had right now are minecraft and fallout 4 and i'm willing to venture that a huge part of the reason why i find it difficult personally to get into these types of games is because of the types of games i grew up playing which were much much more linear and confined like you they really didn't encourage exploration that was kind of like the lowest tier priority um specifically like a lot of side scrollers a lot of like you know space like bullet hell type games or even fighting games like that was a lot of what the video games i played growing up were so it's very like difficult it's almost anxiety inducing to be given this completely open world and saying like go forth and do what you will with it because i get confused i almost need like these kind of things like jack had mentioned with days gone where it's like just go to the the glowing circle 40 yards away that's all we need you to do like because if we tell you hey yeah drive around have a good time take pictures or whatever like it's gonna just make it so i don't know what to do with myself um so i definitely think that's a factor the other thing i find that's interesting too is kind of like what dave was talking about like the different aspects of managing the gameplay itself like one thing I saw with one of the more recent open world games I played, um, Ghost of Tsushima, which technically is kind of in that same vein. Like I, I discussed like the games where there's more emphasis on the fast travel. So it's not a true open world, like make everything, you know, a sandbox, so to speak. But it is an open world for you to explore. And one of the cool elements that they did with that one was um, really trying to emphasize like different aspects of how you're appreciating that world. Um, like there's missions where you're just supposed to compose haikus, for instance, which I'll be the first one to tell you was, yeah, eye rollingly boring, but it is, I think, encouraging something I'm seeing more and more with, with games now, which is kind of encouraging you to take like a mental health break in the midst of your gameplay, because it's so easy to just kind of get so wrapped up in it and so focused on like killing things and finding items and crafting things or whatever, like. The whole point of it is, is it forces you to slow down. It forces you to think about basic elements of the nature, which in that game, and for instance, was a huge part of the environment they created. Was It forces you to really appreciate the environmental items that they crafted for you. And in doing so, it, you know, it, in a sense, it's a form of meditation. It's a stretch to say that it puts you into a state of meditation while you're doing it. But it is fascinating because it's not the only one I've seen. Uh, Cyberpunk also has missions like this as well, where it, it's basically encouraging you to be immersed in the world, but at the same time, kind of like just taking the graphics, taking the sounds, put down the controller and just like kind of experience it in a different manner from just the traditional gameplay aspect. Um, I got to ask the question, would you consider Cyberpunk open world? or a sandbox? I, I mean, again, I consider it open world because I feel like 
for the most part, you're just completing tasks within a confined space. You can go anywhere at any given time, but you're probably not going to enjoy the process. I know I don't. So, I, I mean, I fast travel and I'm fine to go to whatever the blinking indicator that tells me there's a mission there, but there's not much else to do outside of that. And Jack, would you consider Red Dead Redemption 2 open world or sandbox? I would say it definitely leans more into the open world um, of, of what I consider to be. There just um, wasn't enough wanton random, randomness in that world. It was, it was a little too structured. And maybe I'm biased because of how slow of a pace it was. For instance, um, GTA, San Andres maybe there wasn't anything more to do in that world than there was in red dead but because the pace was so much quicker you're driving a car instead of doing a horse you don't need to go doing random chores in between missions and stuff maybe it just it feels more fun uh it feels more insane um and that gives it the feel of being a sandbox game more of a playground of, of craziness as opposed to this this um more slow roll um and you know it, it's a tough it's a tough thing to tell because there's you bring up plumber um about how you have to in fallout 4 the sandbox element is building this big shelter where you can do anything with it but there's a lot of games where you can do that but the rules and restrictions and challenges they place around those parameters make it so even though you have the ability to do those you will lose if you do those uh the easiest example i can think of is like uh well frostpunk for one you can build any structures you want in that game that, that are presented to you and place them in any manner you want but if you do it wrong you're gonna die um don't starve is another example of there's all this creative freedom freedom you could have of making any kind of camp you want but if you can't find the resource to, to make it because the game's really damn challenging and you have all these survival things you need to, you need to be able to contend with, you're going to die. Um, so what could easily be a sandbox game is turned into something else just by the, um, by the environment they, they place around the game, which I think is kind of interesting because um, it definitely just makes the question that much more complex. Um, why is, why is a game with the exact same mechanics a sandbox or not a sandbox just based around what kind of shit the developers felt like throwing at you? Yeah. Um, I guess I would say, like, you know, in, the, in that vein of SimCity, you could apply that because I consider SimCity a sandbox game, but mm -hmm. you can still fail if you don't take care of your sewage system is probably arguably the, the biggest green game breaker in that like if your sewage system isn't functioning properly you're going to lose a lot of your population or if you don't have fire departments placed in the right areas then your fires get out of control you know but i i consider SimCity definitely a sandbox but you can fail at it you know and <clears throat> i would say with minecraft the same way if you don't you know if you don't plan for creepers or find some way of blocking out 
outside influences like we had a lot of gated areas in there that kept some of them out not all of them because they have spawn points so you could totally build your whole entire city around a spawn point and then always have to deal with slime balls for example in one of our worlds that could totally cause some issues with you but we got around that by kind of entrapping them you know they always showed up and they were always a threat but they always spawned in this kind of part of the the base where it was easy to deal with them you know yeah so. and in that example i mean there was always a very sandbox way out of it we could decide how we wanted to tackle that solution we decided to fence them in but i mean what happens when you turn sim city's difficulty up to ultra um and all of a sudden you have all these mechanics at your disposal but you have to build the city exactly perfect you have to have your taxes set exactly the way you need to succeed so you're not pissing off your citizens while still building just enough revenue to eke out that next block that you have to perfectly construct to not bankroll bankrupt your system and it, i don't know it, i guess it's, it's just interesting to me because it, it just adds to the complexity of of what we're discussing yeah uh, i feel like i feel like there's a black a white and then a whole bunch of gray in between a whole that bunch of gray so um, is there anything else anyone wants to add to this? Well, I think uh, open world sandbox topic was my suggestion this week. So I apologize to the audience. <laughs> it was a good debate, but I'm going to tell you right now, I don't really play sandbox games based on our final <laughs> decision here. So not sure that we'll be revisiting it anytime soon, but willing to maybe in a year's time. We'll see. <laughs> yeah uh i f i find that i find i found fallout 4 to be incredibly um entertaining despite not agreeing thinking that the main storyline was all that good and to me is what made it a good game was that um you could build these settlements and you can even link them so that they're sharing resources or transfer npcs from one to another you know, so you had all these different safe havens throughout the game, but also you could play the narratives and all that kind of whatnot. And one of the DLCs, the last one to come out was called Nuka World. And someone had said, how cool would it have been to, instead of building your own settlements to protect against raiders, is you can set up raider settlements to go out and attack everyone else. You know, basically becoming a uh, protagonist who was letting this blight of bunch of assholes who are willing to kill children and women to get stuff. And you could do that with Nuka World. You know, you could go in, got into DLC, and depending on what you did in the game, uh, you ended up were able to set up Raider settlements in this world that you created. So you can almost pit yourself against yourself you know, because you would have the settlement where you're the good guy and trying to protect against raiders, but then also plant raider settlements in that world. So that was that was super cool. And I think also adds to that, that sandbox idea. But I would say Fallout 4, predominantly open world with sandbox influences. And then I would say Minecraft was just purely sandbox. And that's my argument on that subject. That's how I kind of think of the two. And then you take Red Dead where it's pure open world, if that makes sense. 
I just love the idea that Fallout 4's narrative is built around the fact that your son was kidnapped and Plummer, meanwhile, is fucking going around building this whack-ass settlement. That is... <laughs> Finding every single little nuance and side, side quest in the game as his son is rotting away. <laughs> that is probably the most memed-about joke about that game, and I think oh, where Bethesda okay. really failed was like, I gotta find my son. Oh, wait what's this <laughs> you know it's like you think like finding your son would be the most important thing in the world and when you do start the game you literally kind of just start tearing in the narrative verse of that you start tearing through everyone like where's my son where's my son <laughs> it's like oh what's this like some crazy family where the dads lived for like 400 years because he found this ancient Incan artifact that allows him to live an extended life but also drives him mad so his family locked him up in this you know intricate dungeon under this mansion and they're all kind of benefiting from it but they don't want him out in the world because he's a fucking nut job who would like try to go about ending it you know so it was like and you guys made everything else about the game other than the main narrative more fun than the fucking narrative so I don't know but yeah that is what that is so all right well with that all being said guys gals non-binary pals thank you so much for listening take care ciao